everyone. Welcome to Sunday Service. We hope that these services have helped you feel a little more connected. We've been apart for 10 weeks already. So let's continue to pray for this to end so that we can come back together. As a reminder, there are three ways to connect with us on Facebook. You can find us on the Evangel Pentecostal Church page. Or if you have children, you can find us on the EPC Kids Ministry page. Or if you want updates on the youth ministry, you can find us on the EPC Student Ministry page. Also be sure to check your weekly email updates. They may be sent to your spam folder, so please check there if they're not in your regular inbox. Lastly, please continue to reach out with your prayer requests, and we will add them to the list for our Zoom prayer gatherings. Okay, that's all for now. So enjoy the service, have a wonderful day, and God bless. Good morning, EPC Church family. I have a quick announcement for you guys. This coming Tuesday, May 19th, from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., we are hosting a drive through food collection on behalf of Kerr Street Mission. So what that means is we have a list of items that Kerr Street needs posted on our Facebook page that you can go check out. We are only collecting those items, so please make sure that you only pick up those items for donation. And then all you have to do is drive up under this canopy that I'm under right now in front of our church's front sanctuary doors. Our young adults will be waiting for you to grab your items out of your hatch and then uh, repackage them and send them off to Kerr Street Mission the following day. We are so excited to partner with our church family uh, in blessing Oakville and Kerr Street Mission in this way. So I hope you will join us in doing so. If you have any questions, please email myself at scott at epcoakville.com or Pastor Jen at jennifer at epcoakville.com. We hope to hear from you soon. Good morning, Evangel. Strength will rise as we wait. 
Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 to 7 and verses 10 to 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Good morning, everyone, and thank you, Karen, for reading that scripture this morning. There were two reports that were released this week that caught my attention. The first one was from Statistics Canada. Now, Statistics Canada reported that Canadians have spent more money on toilet paper and hand sanitizer during the pandemic than they did before. Well, when I heard that, my gift of sarcasm kicked in. I thought, well, of course we have, right? And I just assumed that maybe Captain Obvious lost his job with Hotels.com because no one's traveling anymore and got hired by StatsCan. I don't know. 
But the second one was of much more interest to me. It was a leisure poll that was released this week. The, the findings were released this week. And this is what it reported. 64% of those who live in Ontario experience anxiety when they have to go out in public because of their fears. 64% of those living in Ontario. Now this one really got my attention. There seems to be, on one hand, this overwhelming desire to move forward, that we're growing restless with being stuck. We, we want to move on from this. On the other hand, there's anxiety and fear. Because to move forward, to move on, we need to go back. We need to go back to work. We need to go back to commuting on trains and buses. We need to go back to our schools. We need to go back to daycares. We need to go back to eating in restaurants. We need to go back to shopping in stores. We need to go back into integrating into the larger population. We have to go back to those relatives that we've enjoyed not seeing for two months and actually have the obligation of seeing them again. So we have to go back. And while we want to move forward, we're anxious, we're fearful about going back. The truth is, we can't move on. We can't move forward unless we go back. Now, you may be surprised to learn that the Israelites found themselves in the same situation in Exodus chapter 14. They were intent on moving forward. They were following God's lead. God was physically leading them. But in order to move forward, they had to go back. There are times when God deliberately leads us back in order to build our faith so that we're ready to move forward. Today is the third message in our series, Finding Faith, based on Hebrews chapter 11. And we have been saying that the author of Hebrews selects some of the great heroes of Old Testament history and references how faith motivated and led them forward, regardless of their circumstances. Last time we considered Abraham, and we said Abraham teaches us that God keeps his promises even though the reality of his promises sometimes seem impossible. Today, we're going to consider Moses as a person of faith. Moses teaches us that faith is based on complete trust that is rooted in the awareness that we need God's help, even when we don't understand why God is leading us in the direction that he is. I want to begin today by looking at circling back. Following a significant amount of drama and activity, the Israelites are finally free from Egypt. Egypt is behind them, the promised land is in front of them, and even though they're not there yet, there's an excitement among the people for what has already happened. If the Israelites are going to truly become the people of God, they need to learn to have faith in God. Now, the most impacting method of becoming a person of faith is to be placed in a situation where you are helpless and you desperately need God to act on your behalf. So God decided to create a faith-building opportunity early into the journey to the promised land. In order for this 
faith-building opportunity to have maximum benefit, the Israelites needed to go back towards Egypt. They needed to be placed in a position where they were vulnerable. So God told Moses to turn back, to change direction. Now this doesn't make sense in human terms because it's putting them back in Egyptian territory. They will be noticed by the Egyptians if they go back. They'll be placed in a position of potential harm if they go back. God wants Pharaoh to think that the Israelites are lost, confused, wandering aimlessly, walking in circles, that their divine help has run out. But in fact, the opposite is happening. God is in control. He is leading this, and he is about to show his authority over the enemy so that Israel will learn to have faith in God. Pharaoh is actually being pulled in and used. Pharaoh told them they could leave, but we're told that now he and his, his officials have, have changed their minds. Pharaoh asked the question, what have we done? We've lost our ser the services of these slaves. And so they're going to go after the Israelites and bring them back. The second part of the story we see is crying out. Our scripture provides us with the magnitude of the threat of the Egyptian army. This is no small contingent that comes into the desert. There are 600 of the best chariots, all of the other chariots, the officers that are over all of them, all of Pharaoh's horses, all of his horsemen, all of his troops. They are throwing everything they have at the Israelites. Pharaoh's army pursued the Israelites and caught them. The Israelites now are trapped between this massive, intimidating army and the Red Sea. And we see the responses that are recorded here. We see the responses of the Israelite people. They looked up and saw the army closing in on them, and they're terrified. And they cried out to the Lord. And then immediately after crying out to the Lord, they shift their focus to Moses, and they started questioning him and complaining. Were there not enough graves in Egypt, Moses, that you brought us out here into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out here? Didn't we tell you back in Egypt to leave us alone? It would have been better to serve in Egypt than to die in the desert. Moses responded to them. He addressed their fears. He said, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Take your position and be still. God will fight for you. You will see the victory that God will bring to you. There will be victory, not defeat. Well, then we see God's reply. He says, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Take action. Do something. Raise your staff. Moses' staff represents God's power and his authority with them. God said, I already gave you what you need, Moses. Raise it up over the water to divide the water so the Israelites can walk on dry land. Then the angel of the Lord, we're told, that was leading them in the front, shifted around behind them. The cloud of God's presence followed and created this buffer between the enemy and God's people. It was dark on the enemy's side and light on Israel's side. Yes, God was leading them. Yes, God was going to intervene to help. But they needed to be a part of it with God. They needed to act. 
not in their own strength, not in their own wisdom, but in the power that God had already given them. And as Moses held the staff over the waters, God drove back the waters and strong east wind came and formed walls on each side. Thirdly, crossing over. The Israelites stepped into the opening in the water and they began crossing on dry land to the other side. The Egyptians followed them into the opening and were told that God threw them into confusion, that he made the wheels fall off their chariots and they had difficulty driving. In fact, it says that even the Egyptians recognized that God was fighting for Israel. And so they came to the conclusion, we need to get out of here. And they turned back. The Lord told Moses, he said, stretch your hand out with the staff once again. And when he did, the sea went back and covered those in the opening and none survived. Israel, in the meantime, safely crossed. That day, God saved the Israelites from the Egyptians. When the Israelites saw the great power and strength that the Lord displayed on their behalf against the Egyptians, they feared the Lord. They stood in awe. They had such an incredible reverence for God. They put their trust in the Lord, it says, and in his servant Moses. The word trust here actually literally means in the Hebrew to be nursed. It's the idea of a vulnerable child that relies on the care, the protection, the provision of a nurse, of a parent to care for their basic needs. And so as a result of this difficult encounter, Israel learned that God would care for their needs as they looked to him to help them. They also learned that their leader, Moses, was a person of faith, that God was with him. They also learned to have faith in God, especially when God is allowing circumstances in order to build faith in him. I want to conclude today by offering three observations that I believe come from this story. The first is backtracking. Going backwards is often necessary for moving forward. Going backwards is often necessary for moving forward. When I was a boy, one of the most common things for boys to do was to make and use a slingshot. The process was simple. You find a nice branch with a, a Y in it, you'd carve it to the right size, you'd place strong elastic band on each side, you'd cut a small patch of leather or rubber to hold the rock or the marble, and there you are, you have a, you have a slingshot. Of course, if you made a slingshot, you had to practice with it. And so often we would line up cans or bottles. Now, let me tell you, bottles were much more messy, but also a lot more fun. It was a great pastime until you broke a window or you hit your friend in the head. Great pastime, a lot of fun. The power of the slingshot is in the momentum gained by pulling backwards as far as you could pull it and releasing it forward. The backward pull is critically important to the forward movement. Now, if it were up to us, most of us 
would pick a pain-free, challenge-free, obstacle-free life. We just would. We would pick a life that was a straight line forward from here to there. But God knows that this kind of life hinders us, this straight line life without problems and obstacles, hinders us from becoming people of faith. Because in those circumstances, we don't need God in our lives because we're okay. We have it under control. We can do for ourselves what needs to be done. God knows that life is not pain-free. It's not challenge-free and it's not obstacle-free. God knows that we can't do it on our own. He knows that. That we need him desperately in our lives. That faith in him is absolutely necessary. So God allows, sometimes even orchestrates, seasons of hardship to help us develop faith in him. There will be seasons in our lives when we feel like we're moving backward instead of moving forward. Where we feel that we are losing ground instead of gaining ground. And these seasons can be confusing and scary and difficult and painful. But they're necessary. They are necessary in the process of helping us find faith. The second thing I want to leave with us today is partnership. Victory over the enemy requires a partnership with God. Victory over the enemy requires a partnership with God. When we're facing intimidating circumstances, when things seem hopeless, when we feel hopeless, when things appear to be out of control, when failure appears to be certain for us, we often respond in desperation just like the Israelites did. First, we cry out to God. God, make this stop. God, make it go away. And then our crying sometimes quickly shifts to blaming and questioning. Why is this happening to me? God, why aren't you making this stop? Why have you abandoned me in the middle of all of this? If you loved me, God, how could you let this happen to me? I should never have followed you, God. I should have stayed where I was, how I was. Sometimes we respond like Moses did and we say, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be really, really spiritual and I'm just going to wait for God to show up and fix everything. But the truth is, as much as it is only God that can lead our lives through these varying seasons, doing nothing is not what God has called us to do. Sometimes we need to do what God told Moses to do. In fact, I think we always should do what God told Moses to do. Because that's what God is saying to us as well today. I've already given you what you need. My presence is always with you. You have my spirit. You, You have my power within you. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Act in the power and the authority of my spirit. Be obedient to my word. Do what you already know you should do, what you already can do. You do your part. Live in obedience. Take action and do what you can. And then leave what is beyond 
you, God says to me. You do what you can, I'll do what I do. God has given us his presence. God has given us his Holy Spirit. He wants us to partner with him in seeing the victory in our lives. But the truth is, crying out to God isn't helpful for us. Doing nothing while we wait for God to act isn't helpful for us. But learning to partner with God, seeing his presence and power in our lives, working in tandem with him, is life-changing. Partnering with God is critical to finding faith. And finally, opportunity. Hardships are opportunities for building faith in God. Hardships are opportunity for finding faith in God. Given the choice, the Israelites would not have turned back. Never. They would not have had to face the terror of the Egyptian army closing in on them. But they would have missed a significant, life-changing moment of learning about who God was in their lives and that he could be trusted. When they felt trapped between the army and the Red Sea, they couldn't see the value of this experience. When they were experiencing the miraculous power of God as they crossed over the pathway on dry land in the middle of the sea while looking over their shoulder to see the Egyptian chariots pursuing them, they didn't see it. But when they reached the other side, when God destroyed their enemies, when the sea closed up and the bodies lay on the beach, then they understood what had just happened. God had led them. God had intervened. God had brought the victory. Looking back, they could see it now. They had faith in God. Mission accomplished. God had created this opportunity as a faith builder and now they trusted God and had faith. Well, at least for now. Hindsight is a great gift. Standing on the mountaintop and surveying the land is a great place to be. From these vantage points of hindsight and mountaintops, we can see the full picture that we couldn't see in the moment. We long for happiness, we long for fulfillment, purpose, meaning in our lives. And God knows that these things are only possible when we really truly learn to have faith in him. So he allows, yes, even creates moments where we're drawn into greater faith in him. This is a very difficult process, but it's very rewarding. So we must ask God, what are you wanting to teach me? from this, God? How are you wanting to change me through this, God? What is the bigger picture of this season for me? Then we ask God, Lord, don't waste this painful season of my life. Don't let this be wasted, but make it count. Use it somehow, God. Redeem it somehow. Don't waste one part and one moment of it. Because we have learned from the bigger themes of Scripture that God works in all things for our good and for His glory, 
we can have that attitude because we have learned that God takes what the enemy intends for evil and uses it for good. We can have that attitude because we have learned that the cross must come before the crown. Then we trust him completely. We learn to be his children, dependent on him to care for us when we're unable to care for ourselves willing to navigate the painful seasons because we have faith that we will arrive safely on the other side. Finding faith means seeing every experience, especially, especially the painful ones, as an opportunity, not an intrusion. In conclusion, Moses was a person of faith. From the life of Moses, we learn first, Going backwards is often necessary for moving forward. Secondly, we learn that victory over the enemy requires a partnership with God. And thirdly, hardships are opportunities for building faith in God. Moses teaches us that faith is based on complete trust that is rooted in the awareness that we need God's help even when we don't understand why God is leading us in the direction that he is. Oh 
and no one beside you, you alone worthy of all praise. There will be no one like you, and no things that we can do. Lord God, may we glorify you with our lives. Help us to live lives that are living sacrifices, Lord God, holy and pleasing to you. We love you. Help us to exalt you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the service today. Thank you for tuning in. Our prayer is that something said, something sung, something you heard, something you read this morning would touch your heart and life in a very real way. If we can be of assistance to you, please do not hesitate to contact us. Email us, call us, and we'll 
do what we can to minister to you as best we can during these trying times. God bless you and have a great week.